Welcome back to another episode of the Hockey Talk Podcast, giving you up-to-date news, stats, and scores from around the NHL. In today's episode, I will be recapping all of the trades, extensions, waiver claims, and more from the trade deadline. I will talk about my three winners of the trade deadline and talk about some recent news from around the NHL. But before we get into that, make sure to go follow the Hockey Talk Podcast on Instagram at the Hockey Talk Podcast. That's at the Hockey Talk Podcast on Instagram. No spaces, no capital letters. There will be graphics on there about trades as soon as they happen and other news will be posted on there as soon as it comes out as well. I also might do some live streams um, to get chatting with you guys so that you guys can ask questions and I can answer them for you right then and there. Who knows? That could be fun. Again, that's at the Hockey Talk Podcast on Instagram. No spaces, no capital letters. Now, a quick message from our sponsors, Anchor, and then we'll get right into all the good stuff. Uh, on the other side of this ad so see you on the other side all right and we are uh, back from that ad break and now it's time to just hop right into all the trades I'm not sure how long of an episode this is going to be there were a pretty decent amount of trades I didn't include them all in this episode just because some of them were pretty minor and not as big or as noticeable as some of the other trades that went on during the trade deadline so we're just going to get started right now with the uh, first trade that I have that I'm going to talk about in this podcast and some of these trades um, a couple of them I think there are two or three maybe four or five not I'm not really sure off the top of my head but Uh, That didn't happen on the exact trade deadline day, but they are still mentionable trades that did happen, especially this first one that I'm going to talk about. Um, So that's why I'm I'm including them in here. And it wasn't very, it wasn't like weeks and weeks before the trade deadline either. It was, it was a couple days before the trade deadline. I decided to add them in to this podcast. So Here we are. The first trade I'm going to talk about is the Kyle Palmieri trade. Now, in this trade, the New York Islanders uh, receive Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac in exchange for A.J. Greer, Mason Jobs, a first-round pick, and another conditional pick. Now, the first-round pick uh, in this trade... Um, is a uh, first-round pick in this year's NHL Entry Draft, the 2021 NHL Entry Draft. The conditional pick is a fourth-rounder in 2022. The condition on this pick is if the Islanders make it to the Stanley Cup Finals this year, the fourth becomes a third in either 2022 or 2023. I didn't get more information on that, but I'm pretty sure it's... Um, the team's choice if they want that third round pick to be in 2022 or push it back a year to 2023. Now the Devils obviously sent uh, Palmieri and Zajac to the Islanders. Now coming up to the trade deadline, Palmieri was one of the biggest um, uh, trade bait candidates, I guess you could say is what they're called. Um, If you looked at uh, TSN, ESPN, all the big 
places that cover hockey and they have a trade bait list going into the trade deadline. Kyle Palmieri was really high on that list and he was talked about a good amount as being traded in this upcoming trade deadline. Now, like I said, this trade didn't happen on the deadline, but it did come a couple of days before. So I'm still counting it as part of a trade deadline day. Now, I really like this trade for the New York Islanders. Um, they got uh, uh, Kyle Palmieri, obviously, and they also got Travis Zajac. I think both of those guys will do uh, better than they did on the Devils because the Devils haven't been good in a while. And even even so, even if they don't do any better or any worse, Kyle Palmieri, if you go back and you look at his stats from past seasons, he's a solid 30 to 50 point guy a season in an 82 game season obviously so uh, in a 56 game season like this year probably won't get as many uh, points but he is still a solid 30 to 50 point guy and then Travis Zajac obviously isn't as big as a player as Kyle Palmieri is but he's still a, a noticeable player you still you can recognize that name you obviously have heard that name a lot. Travis Ajak is more of a solid depth guy, so play on their third or fourth line rather than Paul Mary probably playing on that second line after losing. Another reason why I like this trade for the Islanders a lot is because um, earlier in the season, they did le- lose uh, forward Anders Lee, one of their better players, and I think Kyle Paul Mary might not come in and do as well uh, of a job as Anders Lee did, but I definitely think that Kyle Palmieri can fill that role that Anders Lee had. So I think Kyle Palmieri will fit into that second line and take over the role that uh, Anders Lee did. Now going back to the New Jersey Devils was AJ Greer and Mason Jobs. Now both of those guys are in their mid to late 20s and uh, are prospects. Now, A.J. Greer is a 24-year-old prospect with uh, not very much much potential. Um, I didn't recognize that name. Um, I knew he wasn't an older guy. Um, I knew he was going to be a prospect, but when I did research on him, um, I found out that he was a late uh, round draft pick and um, he doesn't really have that much potential left, so that's really not kind, not a meaningless piece to this trade, but not a super meaningful piece to this trade. Um, now, Mason Jobs is another name that I'd never heard of prior to this trade. He's 27 years old, who is yet to play a game in the NHL. So, being 27 years old, not playing a game in the NHL, uh, it's not it's not super good looking. So, I guess. Uh, jobs looks like to me to be another uh, almost meaningless prospect uh, to be 27 like I said and not play a single game in the NHL just doesn't look that good so I think most of the um, value going back to the Islanders is that first round pick which isn't a ton to give up for Paul Mary and Zajac along with that conditional pick that becomes a third rounder in either 2022 or 2023 depending on if they make the Stanley Cup finals or not. Now they've made a lot of additions over the offseason and with this trade deadline to make that push to go deeper into the playoffs Um, with the teams that they're playing. I think that they have a shot at making the Stanley Cup finals but not uh, the best odds like there are a couple teams 
uh, the Bruins maybe, the, the Lightning obviously made a couple big additions that we'll talk about later that I think, in my opinion, are still better uh, teams than the New York Islanders, but they still definitely have a lot of potential in going deep in the playoffs. So the first round pick is the biggest thing coming back in this trade, but it's not going to be a super... Uh, early pick so it's not going to be it's still a first round pick you're still getting one of the top 31 guys in this draft class but it's probably going to be mid to late 20s um, one around that area so it's not going to be a top 15 a top 20 pick most likely The second trade that I'm going to talk about that happened uh, before the trade deadline, again, the second trade that I'm going to talk about happened before the trade deadline, again, involved the Chicago Blackhawks and the Florida Panthers. The Panthers received Lucas Carlson and Lucas Walmark in exchange for Brett Connolly, Henrik Borgstrom, Riley Stillman, and a seventh round draft pick. Now, there are a lot of moving pieces in this um, in this trade, but uh, I'm going to b- break it down for you real quick. So Brett Connolly has two more years on his contract at $3.5 million per year. Um, by taking on this contract, Chicago gets two young players in Borgstrom and Stillman. Now, Connolly has been going downhill with his production. He has four points in 21 games a season and was a lot of times a healthy scratch for the Florida Panthers who I think signed him out. Actually, no, they didn't sign him out of free agency. I think that was a trade that happened later this year. Um, when the when this trade first came out, this didn't catch my eye at the beginning. But um, when I heard about it and I heard the names that were being moved around and I saw this name, I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember that happening. That must have sneaked in here somewhere. Henrik Borgstrom... Uh, was a former first-round pick of the Florida Panthers and was supposed to be, is supposed to be a very, very good uh, prospect. Now, he, like I said, he was a former first-rounder, but in recent years, he's really fell off the map after struggling um, in NHL play. He has 19 points in 27 SM Liga games this season. Now, Borgstrom obviously is still a young prospect who has potential left, but uh, it doesn't look it doesn't look good for him after being a former first round pick and uh, falling off the charts over the last couple seasons after coming into the NHL hoping to make an impact and then that uh, never happening. So um, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Borgstrom because I remember a couple years ago uh, people were talking about this guy, a you know, first round draft pick that. It was supposed to be very, very good and part of the uh, Florida Panthers' future. Now they traded him away, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens to him. The next piece of information that I have to talk about for this uh, podcast episode is actually not a signing. Another piece of news that came out that happened again before the trade deadline, and that is the Vancouver Canucks signing forward Tanner Pearson to a three-year, $3.25 million uh, per year deal. Pearson has 11 points in 33 games this season, and I don't know if it's it's kind of hard to tell with Pearson. If you go back and you look at his stats, they're kind of all over the place. Uh, there was one year with Vancouver where he put up uh, 45 points in 
a, a decent amount of games, not over a point per game, but a good uh, a good pace. And then there are other years where he has seven points in almost 30 games or whatever. So um, he, he really isn't a, a, a consistent player when it comes up to producing. Um, but he still is a solid player that can play on the second and third line for the Vancouver Canucks. And ever since being traded to the Canucks from the Penguins, the Canucks have really liked him. Um, he, um, I don't know. Like I said, uh, it's only time will tell if he's going to be worth the 3.25. Obviously, it's not a ton of money. Some, some cap space that they're throwing at a guy who, uh, could put up, 45 points or could put up 15 you just don't know uh when it comes to pearson so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that and uh that's really all i have on tanner pearson the next trade that i'm going to talk about that happened is riley nash going to the toronto uh, maple leafs from the columbus blue jackets for a conditional seventh round pick now riley nash is nothing spectacular he's not an insane uh, point producing player but he is a very uh, solid fourth line defensive center the conditions on the seventh round pick is if the seven the can the 2022 seventh round pick becomes a sixth round pick if he plays 25 percent of toronto's playoff games now there is a chance that he will well most likely what will happen is he will be in and out of the lineup quite a bit because they do have some younger players that can come up and play if Riley Nash isn't playing super well. So um, it's not a lot to give up for Riley Nash. Obviously, it's only a seventh round pick that could turn into a sixth round pick. Most likely will. 25% of playoff games isn't a ton. But um, I don't know. Riley Nash is a good addition to the Blue Jackets, in my opinion, getting a good uh, depth center like him uh, that can play really solid defense. Next trade that I will talk about in this episode is uh, Colorado Avalanche adding Patrick Niemeth for a 2022 fourth round pick from the Detroit Red Wings. Now, in this trade deadline, I don't have the Avalanche as one of my winners of the trade deadline, but they still did make some pretty solid moves. Uh, nothing huge, no big blockbuster trades, but they made uh, like two or three smaller solid trades that will definitely help out their team in the long run, just like this one by adding Patrick Niemeth. Um, he adds even more depth to their blue line. Uh, he doesn't get that many, very many points. He's not an offensive defenseman like Kale McCarr or Sam Girard or some of their other um, defensemen, but he is really good defensively. Uh, they wouldn't pick him up if he wasn't a good offensively or defensively. So he is a very good defensive player. And he's probably not going to fit into the top four of the Colorado Avalanche. He's probably going to be switched in and out of that third pairing with Connor Timmins uh, or Jacob McDonald. So he'll either play with one of those two and might be switched out in and out of the lineup. This next trade we're going to talk about involves the Florida Panthers and the Buffalo Sabres. This trade by the Florida Panthers um, is one of three or four, I believe, that they made at this trade deadline. 
Um, I'm going to talk about this more, but I do have the Florida Panthers as one of my winners of the trade deadline, and you'll find out why later in the video or in the episode when I talk about uh, my winners and go in further and talk about more of the trades that went on in this trade deadline. So the first move that the Panthers make at the trade deadline is uh, sending a third round pick in this year's draft, I believe, to Buffalo in exchange for defense defenseman Brandon Montour. Now, uh, Brandon Montour, uh, when I saw this trade, I thought that immediately I thought that this was a good trade for the Florida Panthers. Now, um, he should help out a lot because uh, Aaron Ekblad, as some of you may know, he got injured earlier in the season. They still have Keith Yandel, but they lost Aaron Ekblad for the rest of the season. So um, Montour is not going to come in and make up for that loss of Aaron Ekblad, but he's still going to come in and uh, help out with the loss of Aaron Ekblad. And even when Ekblad comes back, um, he'll just be another piece in their defensive core that will help out a lot. Uh, it is a 2021 third round pick. Montour is uh, 26 years old and he is on an expiring deal. His deals were $3.85 million for the rest of this year. If the Panthers have the cap space, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't re-sign him um, over the summer if they can. Um, I just think if he plays well enough and is good defensively and does decent offensively, I think that he'll be a great addition to the Panthers blue line and there shouldn't be any reason why they shouldn't try and re-sign him this summer. Uh, coming, uh, This next trade that I'm going to talk about is the second trade that the Colorado Avalanche make during this trade deadline and in my opinion, uh, it's better than the one they made previously for Patrick Niemeth. It's the addition of Devin Dubnik for Greg Patteron and a fifth round draft pick. Now, uh, coming into this season, obviously the Avalanche had great defense. Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, the addition to Devon Taves. Um, and then up front, obviously, they have Gabe Lannis-Cog, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, added Brandon Saad. Uh, Burkowski, Nazem, Nazem Kadri, so they were stacked. They had Philip Grubauer, who so far this season has proven himself to be a top 10, if not a top 5 goalie in this league, but the backup was a bit of a, uh, a question mark. Pavel Frantzos has been, has played decent, um, so going into this season, uh, last offseason, obviously the Avalanche felt that Frantzos would be able to get the job done as the backup, um, but I guess they uh, through this season they've realized that he's not the answer. So they tr they trade for Devin Dubnik, who earlier in the season was traded to the Sharks by the Wild for uh, I forget they traded a draft pick or something for him, but I like this trade a lot. Um, I'm not sure how much I think this is De this is Dubnik's last year on his contract I'm pretty sure but ever since coming over from the wild to the sharks his save percentage has been around 900 not usually much more than a 90 
to definitely nothing more than a 905 and not going lower than like an 897 or something like that. So he is a solid goaltender. He's not going to have to play a ton of games. He's just going to have to be a solid backup for Philip Grubauer. And I think this tandem of Grubauer and Devin Dubnik should be a great tandem for the Avalanche going forward and helping them in a playoff run. This next trade uh, involves the Tampa Bay Lightning and is one of a couple three-way trades that happens uh, during this trade deadline. Now, um, this is arguably one of the biggest trades that did go down this trade deadline. The three teams that are involved is the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Detroit Red Wings. Now, I'm going to try and break it down and explain it as best as I can. So in this trade, the Tampa Bay Lightning receive David Savard and Brian Lashov, and Columbus receives a first round pick and a third round pick from the Colum- from the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Detroit Red Wings also get another fourth round pick from the Detroit from the Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean. So how this all works is Columbus gets the 2021 first round pick and a 2022 third round pick for David Savard and 50% of David Savard's salary being retained. Detroit gets a 2021 fourth round pick and Tampa gets an extra 25% retained on Savard's contract. So basically what's happening here is um, Detroit is getting a fourth round pick in exchange for retaining 25% of Savard's contract and uh, Columbus is retaining an 50% while giving David Savard in exchange for a first round pick and a third round pick. This is uh, a brilliant move by the Tampa Bay Lightning. This adds even more depth on their back end and finding a way to add a guy with that much salary and being able to art to fit him in to a tight tight salary cap that the lightning have is just insane to me when I first saw this I was like how did they get that contract they are so tight to the cap once I dove in deeper and found out that uh, they got 75% of his salary retained was um, very very interesting and just a great move by the Tampa Bay Lightning and this is going to be a great addition for them to go into the playoffs and hopefully uh, win another Stanley Cup. This next piece of information information, damn, that I have for you guys is Nikita Gusev being signed out of, I guess, free agency. Now, the story behind this is Nikita Gusev, a couple days prior, his contract was terminated by the New Jersey Devils after not producing at all or not very well. I think he had uh, three or four points in however many games he played. They terminated his contract. He went into free agency, and a couple days later, Florida Panthers signed him to a one-year, $1 million deal to try to see if he'll produce for them and just add more winger depth. This is another reason why I think that the Florida Panthers are a winner in this trade deadline, and I'll talk about... Uh, all of that later at the end of the episode when I talk about my winners of the trade deadline. 
the second three-team trade of the trade deadline involves the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the San Jose Sharks. Now, in this trade, it is pretty much exactly like the Tampa Bay trade, except with Nick Foligno, Stefan Nosen, and the San Jose Sharks. The Leafs get Nick Foligno and Stefan Nosen. The Columbus Blue Jackets get another first-round pick in this year's draft, as well as a fourth-round pick in next year's draft from the Maple Leafs. And then the San Jose Sharks get a fourth-round pick from the Maple Leafs as well. How this one works out is the Toronto Maple Leafs give the um, Columbus Blue Jackets a 2021 first-round pick and a 2022 fourth-round pick in exchange for Nick Foligno and 50% of his salary retained. The Maple Leafs give a 2021 fourth-round pick to the San Jose Sharks in exchange for them retaining another 50% of his salary. Toronto now has to pay uh, Nick Foligno $1.375 million uh, per year. Now, this was an interesting trade to me. Uh, Nick Foligno is definitely not a uh, worth a first rounder in my opinion. So I think a first round pick is too much, especially in my opinion. I don't think that Nick Foligno is going to play in the top six. Now... Uh, This is how I see the lines when everyone comes back from COVID protocols and injuries within the next couple days or whatever. This is what the top two lines are going to look like for the Maple Leafs. The first line is going to be Alex Galchenyuk, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner. Ever since Alex Galchenyuk joining the Toronto Maple Leafs, he's played amazing. He's been uh, setting up passes and for Matthews, and the chemistry on that line is really well. I don't think that they're going to break that line up. The second line is uh, William Nylander, John Tavares, and Zach Hyman. Now, uh, this line has been together, and it's worked really well. I don't think that um, Nick Foligno is going to be substituted in for any of those players. I couldn't see Hyman on the third line. I couldn't see Tavares on the third line, and I couldn't see Nylander on the third line. So Felino there is the odd man out in that situation. Now, going back, if you look at it and you think about it and you're like, wait a minute, maybe he, he probably won't play in the top six. And they gave up a first round pick for him. I think the majority of that first round pick is going into them retaining 50% of Felino's contract because early in the day, they also retained 50% of David Savard's contract as well. And both those contracts are pretty big contracts. So now Columbus is retaining 50% of both of those contracts. I'm just... I, this trade didn't make much sense to me when um, I saw reports coming out that he probably won't play in the top six for the Toronto Maple Leafs and they gave up a first round pick for him. I mean, I guess if that's what they think is best, then you do you, I guess, Toronto. But uh, it is definitely going to be a very interesting um, rest of the season and playoffs to watch the Toronto Maple Leafs where Nick Foligno fits into that lineup and how well they do with the insane amount of depth that they now have adding Nick Foligno who's probably not even going to play in their top six. The next trade that happens uh, during the day 
is also made by the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs acquiring goaltender uh, uh, David Riddick from the Calgary Flames in exchange for a 2022 third-round draft pick. Now, I really, really like this trade by the Toronto Blue or Toronto Blue Jackets, the Toronto Maple Leafs, because of the question of Frederick Anderson's health. Now, Jack Campbell has played amazing. He's gone 11 and 0 in his first 11 games played this season, and he's on fire. Now, Frederick Anderson's health in question. Who knows when he's going to come back? Who knows if he's going to come back? And as on top of that, who knows how well Jack Campbell can keep playing like this? How long can he keep playing like this? Is he gonna? Uh, can he do this for the rest of the season? Um, I think taking some by adding David Riddick, this sets up a really good tandem for Jack Campbell and David Riddick to get some of that pressure off of Campbell's back, so that he doesn't have to play as many nights. Um, they can split the nights um, and. I, this is, that's a, one of the reasons why I like this trade a lot. I just think um, David Riddick is still relatively young, not super young, but not super old either. I think this tandem will work really well for the Toronto Maple Leafs while Frederick Anderson is, is out. I do hope that uh, Anderson comes back and gets healthy or whatever, but I think for the time being, David Riddick to the Toronto Maple Leafs is a very solid move, in my opinion. This next trade involves the start of a couple trades by the Boston Bruins. Now, in this trade, the Boston Bruins acquire uh, defenseman Mike Riley from the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a 2022nd third-round draft pick. Now, um, you're going to hear me say this a lot. A lot of the trades that I like a ton in this trade deadline are some of the smaller trades not super small trades but not blockbuster trades either don't get me wrong the blockbuster trades are really good and uh depending on what pieces move and what pieces go where i do uh, most of the time like those trades but some of these smaller trades like the maple leafs getting david riddick like the bruins adding mike riley to the back end just is um, important moves, in my opinion. Uh, Mike Riley is uh, a great addition to the Boston Bruins because after losing Chara and Krug in the offseason, the Bruins' blue line was very depleted. And a lot of questions, including myself, everyone had questions uh, about for the Boston Bruins if their blue line was still going to be able to do it, if they were still going to be a playoff team, if they were still going to be able to get it done with a lot of young guys having to step up and um, a lot of key pieces on that back end like Chara and Krug leaving during the offseason. They still have McAvoy, they still have Kevin Miller, um, guys like that, but guys like Jacob Zaborl, um, I can't think of names off the top of my head, but there are some young guys that had to step up big and so far have for the Boston Bruins, but adding um, a defenseman like Mike Riley, who is a, a pretty solid defenseman in the NHL, will help the Bruins a lot uh, in securing that playoff spot. This next trade um, that was made during the trade deadline also involved the Boston Bruins. Now, the Boston Bruins were a lot more active than I uh, thought they would be. Uh, I knew that they needed 
a bit more scoring, but um, um, I didn't know that they were really interested in this player that they got. The Buffalo Sabres traded Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar to the Boston Bruins in exchange for a second round draft pick and Anders Bjork. Now, I absolutely love this trade. I'm not sure if you can call it a blockbuster because of the way Hall has played in pretty much the past two seasons. He has four points in however many games he played with the Sabres this year. He is on a one-year $8 million deal. He didn't lock up long-term in the offseason. He could have gone to other places. He decided to sign a one-year deal with Buffalo worth $8 million, hoping to push Buffalo towards a playoff spot and finally get him get the Sabres out of this drought and out of this cycle that they've been in constantly. Now, he wasn't able to do that. Eichel hasn't been producing. Skinner, Hall, all haven't pr- been producing. So I don't know if you can really call Hall uh, a blockbuster trade, but at this point, um, there are many, many, many reasons why I love this trade for the Boston Bruins. They only gave up a second rounder and Anders Bjork. They got back Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. Now, um, the Buffalo Sabres also retained 50% of Hall's contract. So they gave up a second rounder and Anders Bjork. For Taylor Hall, 50% of his $8 million contract retained. So they're only paying Hall $4 million for the rest of the season. They also got Curtis Lazar. Now, Curtis Lazar and Anders Bjork aren't the same player. I think Anders Bjork is better, but um, I think in that depth role where Bjork was playing with the Boston Bruins, Curtis Lazar can definitely make up for that ground. So basically, it's Hall and 50% of his contract being retained for a second-round draft pick. I know he hasn't played great this season. I know a lot of people... Um, don't like the way he's played and don't think that this is a good trade for the Boston Bruins. But if you think about it, it's a really, really good trade. Hall was a former Hart Trophy winner. It doesn't matter how he's playing right now. He won the Hart Trophy at one point. Now, I think if um, there was any team that could revive Hall's career, it would be the Boston Bruins or the Colorado Avalanche, or some of these um, decently stacked teams that have a lot of good playmakers that can feed people the puck to get them to score. Uh, I think playing on the second line with David Krejci and Jake DeBrusque will help a lot. David Krejci um, is a really good uh, playmaker who can get Hall the puck and whatever. Maybe they'll throw him on the first line with Bergeron. Maybe they'll switch up the lines and see where he can play. But I really, really like this move for the Bruins and I wouldn't be surprised if he started to uh, produce more points like he was last season and season before when he won the Hart Trophy. Now I'm not sure exactly where I saw this but after this trade came out I did see there was a report that came out that said the Buffalo Sabres had gotten a much better offer for Taylor Hall from a team that was in the West. They didn't specify what team, but they did say that the offer included a first-round draft pick. Now, the only reason why the Buffalo Sabres didn't accept this deal is because when the Buffalo Sabres signed Taylor Hall, they added they had there was a no-move clause added to that contract. Now, with the no-move clause on that contract, Taylor Hall had all the power in the world to tell them where he wanted to go. 
There was that offer, and there was the Bruins offer. Taylor Hall wanted to go to Boston. He went to Boston. So what I'm guessing is the the team that offered up the first-round draft pick uh, and had a much better offer from the West for Taylor Hall was the Colorado Avalanche. The Colorado Avalanche were very interested in Taylor Hall in free agency. They didn't get him. He decided to go to Buffalo. He decided to go to the East Coast from Arizona. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, their top six is uh, very good. They added Brandon Saad. They have Burkowski and Kadri on that second line. But Burkowski isn't producing like he like he used to. Burkowski is a sniper. So I think they were looking to maybe send Burkowski and a first-round draft pick that way. Plus, they do have the cap space to keep on all of Hall's contract um so or maybe not all of it but a better chunk than the Bruins did they have more cap space than the Bruins do so I think um maybe 25% salary retained a first round draft pick in Andre Burakovsky for Taylor Hall and maybe something else coming back the other way that probably could have been the offer that the Avalanche gave up for Hall but Hall decided to go to Boston I think Hall would have been a great like I was telling uh, you guys before, I think Hall would have been a great fit in um, Colorado just because of all the playmakers they have too. I think that Colorado could have also revived his career. Um, only time will tell though. Maybe the Bruins aren't the right fit for Hall, but I would be surprised if he didn't start producing and um, s- scoring goals for them and, and putting up points for them. I also would be surprised if they didn't try and re-sign him this offseason because this is the last year on his contract. I'm really excited to see what happens with Hall and the Bruins, and I'm excited to see if he can start producing. Now, during this trade deadline, there were um, a handful of trades that involved players that I that were some people blinded, blindsided by, including this one that they didn't expect to happen. Uh, the, the LA Kings traded... Jeff Carter to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for a third round pick and a fourth round pick. Um, I think Jeff Carter will be a good fit in um, Pittsburgh. He adds a lot of he adds some good depth for the Penguins while players are out for them, like Malkin, like um, I forget who else they have out, but I know that they have injuries out. I know Jeff Carter will also help them in the playoffs as well. Uh, this gets a big contract off the books for the Kings, um, and I, I, I just think that uh, Carter will fit well in Pittsburgh. I think that he'll be a great depth player for them, and the Kings got a, a decent return. They got a third and a fourth round pick back, and I think that that's all they could have asked for for Jeff Carter. The next couple pieces of news that came out for the trade deadline were not trades, but uh, waiver claims. Two players went on waivers. Victor Mete went on waivers and was claimed by the Ottawa Senators. And Sammy Vatanen went on waivers and was claimed by the Dallas Stars. Now, Victor Mete, I think this is a great pickup for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, The way I see it is they traded Mike Riley and they got Victor Mete back. I think, in my eyes, Victor Mete just makes up for what they lost in Mike Riley, not to... Not to uh, (sighs) 
Victor Mete is also a, a bit younger. He's, I think, 22 years old. So that's just a really good pickup after trading away Mike Riley. Now the Dallas Stars pick up Sammy Vatnin off waivers. It's not a bad, it's not a bad move. Uh, Vatnin isn't a super good uh, offensive defenseman, but he is pretty good defensively. He's more of a depth defenseman too, um, to play behind Klingberg and and uh, Miro Heiskanen. So I think even though the Dallas Stars are not in a playoff spot right now, and after news coming out that they're gonna that both Ben Bishop and Alexander Radulov will be out for the rest of the season, there were reports and uh, hopes that they were gonna be back uh, for part of the season. But uh, news came out that they're not coming back, so that's definitely gonna hurt them quite a bit in their push for the playoffs. Um, Sammy Vatnin isn't gonna help them a ton. But he's definitely not going to um, decrease their chances of making the playoffs either. The next trade of the trade deadline involved the Chicago Blackhawks and the Vancouver Canucks. They swap struggling players this season. The Chicago Blackhawks get Adam Gaudette and the Vancouver Canucks get Matthew Highmore. Gaudette has 7 points in 33 games this season and Matthew Highmore has just 2 points in 24 games this season. Not a huge blockbuster trade but a notable trade. At that, I think uh, just some change of scenery, hoping both of them can start producing better. I know that they've produced better. Um, Yeah, that's really all that there is for that trade. The next trade that we're going to talk about involves the Edmonton Oilers and the New Jersey Devils. Um, Again, this trade is another one of those smaller trades that I love a lot for the Edmonton Oilers in this case. The Edmonton to- Oilers acquired Dmitry Kulikov for a conditional 2022 fourth round pick. Now, I like this trade a lot because he's not the best offensive fo- or offensive defenseman out there but he is very good defensively they have a lot of the Oilers have a lot of good offensive defensemen like Tyson Berry Darnell Nurse guys like that but they don't have a ton of great defensive defensemen and Kulikov brings that to the table for the Oilers which is something that they've needed Um, the condition on that fourth round pick is if the Oilers win a playoff round uh, the fourth round pick becomes a third round pick in 2022 um, Dmitry Kulikov's contract isn't huge either. Uh, it's one year at $1.5 million, so the contract will be up at the end of this year. Kulikov was signed by the Devils out of free agency this offseason, um, hoping to be like a 7th D-man, but has really come out for them and be a very, very good uh, defensive defenseman and just played d- great defense. So I think the Oilers this year will win a playoff series, uh, will get past the first round. So if that does turn into a third round pick in 2022, signing a, a guy out of free agency to be your seventh team man and end up flipping him at the deadline for a third round pick in next year's NHL entry draft potentially is a very good trade in my eyes. Not to mention that the Oilers are getting a very solid defensive defenseman in return another piece of news that came out at the nhl trade deadline was not a trade but another signing the los angeles kings have locked up forward alex iafalo for four years worth four million dollars uh annually so a 16 million dollar deal over four years um 
ever since Ayafalo came to the Kings and started playing in the NHL, he's been a really solid player for the Kings, uh, arguably one of their best players behind Kopitar. So uh, locking him up for $4 million for four years is a good is a good deal in my opinion. He is 27 years old. I could see him um, being part of their future. So getting him at a $4 million price point is pretty good. With a good team around him, I think that he can produce uh, even more than he is. So far this year, has 25 points in 39 games. So not crazy production, but I know uh, he can produce more than that. Um, like I said, he could be a big part of the Kings moving forward, especially with all the young prospects and such a bright future they have, like Quentin Byfield, um, Adrian Kempe, uh, Gabe Velarde, um, Alex Turcotte, down, guys like that down in the AHL who will come up and, and make the Kings a good franchise in years to come. Not to mention, if they need to move this contract, it is a pretty movable contract. Um, um, he could be traded. I'm not saying he will be traded, but he, if need be, $4 million for four years for a 27-year-old that can put up a decent amount of points isn't that bad of a contract. So it is a movable contract if they do need to move this contract. Another trade that was made by the Colorado Avalanche in this trade deadline was to reacquire forward Carl Soderberg for Josh Dickinson and Ryder Rolston. Now, Again, it's not a huge trade by any means, but Carl Soderberg is a great depth guy. They can throw him on their fourth line, and he'll play um, good and put up solid numbers for them. So at this point, the Colorado Avalanche are just getting depth and depth and depth and just loading up uh, for the playoffs to try and finally go deep and, and win a Stanley Cup. Uh, Soderberg has 15 points in 34 games and is on a one-year contract worth $1 million. So they don't have to bring him back next year if they don't want to. And yeah, both the prospects that they sent the other way um, are not good prospects. If I'm just going to be blatant, they're not good prospects. Neither of them uh, are going are projected to make the NHL. So Honestly, not a bad trade for the Avalanche, adding some depth and not really losing anything. This next trade that I am about to talk to, talk about, is arguably, in my opinion, honestly, it's my favorite trade of the whole deadline. Um, I love this move a lot. I've been thinking about it, and the more I think about it, the more I fall in love with this trade. Uh, the trade is Florida acquiring forward Sam Bennett for a second-round draft pick and Emil Heinemann. Um, so Sam Bennett going to the Florida Panthers. Obviously, he was a second uh, second overall pick back in 2014, I believe. Um, he's played in Calgary, hasn't isn't anywhere near he was supposed to be when he was drafted. Um, he what he didn't get uh, a lot of opportunity in Calgary either. I think a change of scenery was definitely needed. Everyone knew pretty much that he was going to be traded. I think Florida is a great spot for the, for him. Um, one of the things that I noticed though is he is a center and he was playing third line center in Calgary and he wouldn't be second line center in um, Florida either. So what I'm thinking is I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers moved 
Bennett up to the second line and have him play wing, give him more opportunity, more playing time in a place that really loaded up on, didn't have many wingers going into this year, which was one of the reasons why I didn't think that they were going to do well this season. They've done surprisingly well this season. Um, their two best wingers going into this, their two best right wingers, I should say, going into this were Anthony Duclair and Patrick Hornquist. Other than that, um, it was Owen Tippett, who nobody had any idea how he was going to produce in the NHL. And on the left side, um, other than Huberdo, they didn't really have much on the left side either. Adding Gusev, adding Bennett, having Hornquist, and having Duclair. They've just loaded up on wingers, and I definitely think that they, going forward, they're going to be st start playing even, even better, which is um, another one of the reasons why um, I do think that the Panthers are one of the winners of this trade deadline, and I'll go into even more detail about this uh, later, but I absolutely love this trade for the Florida Panthers, and again, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved him to the wing instead of playing him at center. This next trade I'm going to talk about also another trade by the Toronto Maple Leafs and that was them acquiring defenseman Ben Hutton for a fifth round draft pick. Not Again, not another huge trade, but another really solid smaller trade. Going into this trade deadline, everyone said that they needed uh, a better third pairing defenseman, uh, some better depth defenseman, and acquiring Ben Hutton is honestly perfect for them. I think they finally buttoned up their defense uh, getting Ben Hutton, they have TJ Brody, they have Morgan Riley. Um, not getting Ben Hutton for the third pair will be huge for them. I think that they are definitely going to go on a deep playoff run finally with the additions they've made on offense and defense. Only a couple trades left and then I'll get into my winners and my top three winners of this trade deadline and talk about some recent news that has come out as of late and then the episode will be over. I know it is probably going to be the longest episode I've ever recorded but uh, I think hopefully that you guys enjoy this episode as much as I like making it. This next trade is um, the Carolina Hurricanes sending Hayden Flurry to the Anaheim Ducks for Yanni Hakapana and a 2021 sixth round pick. This trade, um, people knew was coming uh, for Hayden Flurry anyway. The Carolina Hurricanes had such a deep, deep defense pool, and in pretty much every situation, Hayden Flurry was the odd man out. Um, he was playing third line minutes, and he just wasn't able to prove himself. He's still 24 years old. He still has potential. Going over to Anaheim, where he has, um, he has more. Uh, potential to play more and can just show what he can do in Anaheim and, and have more ice time to show what he can do. So I think this is a great trade by Anaheim. They lost Ben Hutton. They got Hayden Flurry. Uh, I think I think it all evens out in the end. Um, that's pretty much all I have for this trade. I like this trade to, uh, to for Hayden Flurry to Anaheim a lot, just because. Uh, it'll be exciting for Hayden Flurry to finally be able to get some more ice time other than third pairing. He'll be able to play second, maybe even first pair in, in Anaheim. So it'll be exciting to see what he can do there. 
Next trade involves the Winnipeg Jets and the Vancouver Canucks. The Winnipeg Jets acquire Jordy Ben from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for a 2021 six-round pick. I like this trade a lot because um, other than Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk, on the back end for the Winnipeg Jets, they're honestly isn't much there. Adding Jordy Ben gives more depth on the back end. As we all know, the Jets have Connor Hellebuck. The Jets have insane offensive depth with Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mark Shifley, Adam Lowry, uh, Kyle Connor, guys like that. They have a ton of guys that can put up points and score up front, and they have a good goalie that can backstop you, a, a really good goalie in Connor Hellebuck. They just needed a little bit more depth in the defense, and I think Jordy Ben fits that perfectly. I think uh, it's a nice it's a nice piece and not much to pay for Jordy Ben, so I like this trade a lot. The second to last trade that I am going to talk about in this episode is Madison Bowie going to the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for a 2021 fourth round pick. It's at a, it's actually Madison Bowie and a f- 2021 fifth round pick for a 2021 fourth round pick. So pretty much Madison Bowie going to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the Canucks are basically getting what they lost in Jordy Ben in a younger um, and a younger guy in Madison Bowie. I like this. I like this trade a lot. He's young. He has. He still has some potential, and I think that he uh, fits well in Vancouver. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks picked him up out of free agency to see if they might need him or might he might be able to play well. Uh, finally, grow into the player that he was supposed to be. Um, he, he hasn't so far, they haven't liked what they've seen out of him. So they decided to ship him out off to Vancouver. So be interesting to see what happens with Madison Bowie. And finally, the very last trade that I am going to talk about in this trade deadline is one that absolutely no one saw coming. There were no rumors about this trade, uh, nothing happening. And so far I love this trade. Um, this trade, uh, involves the Washington Capitals and the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings get Jacob Vrana, Richard Ponick, a first-round pick and a second-round pick in exchange for Anthony Mantha. This trade is absolutely great by the uh, Washington Capitals. The first-round pick is in 2021, and the second-round pick is in 2022. Um, Mantha was supposed to be part of that uh, core that Detroit builds around with Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Mantha. Uh, Mantha hasn't been producing uh, as well as they thought he would, so they decided to ship him off. And Jacob Vrana, I guess, as of late, there had been some issues with the Washington Capitals and Jacob Vrana, so they decided to swap players. And obviously, Mantha's a better player than Vrana, so they added a first, they added a second, and Richard Ponick. And as of I'm recording this episode, um, Manta has played two games with the Washington Capitals and has two goals and one assist in those two games. Now, that is really good. I think Manta playing with better players and playing with playmakers, he has a good shot. Uh, he can score. I think he'll play really well in Washington. I like this trade for uh, for Washington a lot, and I never talk about this, but I noticed that in my fantasy 
Hockey League, Anthony Mantha was in uh, free agency, and if he is in free agency for you, I would recommend picking him up because uh, I don't see him decreasing in in performance at all. So uh, he's been a really good pickup for me so far, and I would recommend doing that for you guys as well. Mantha is on just got a contract extension last year. I think he has four years left at five point seven million, and if he continues to play really really well with the Washington Capitals this will end up this could end up being a steal of a contract for the Washington Capitals so that was all the trades and all of the signings and and waiver claims and extensions that uh, I was going to go over for the trade deadline now I'm going to go over in no specific order my top three winners of this trade deadline the first one that I have is the Boston Bruins. They added Mike Riley and Taylor Hall. And like I said, Boston, in my opinion, is the right place to for Hall to get his career back on track. Um, they added Mike Riley and Taylor Hall, like I said, and all they gave up was Anders Bjork, a second and a third round pick. So they didn't get give up m- much and they got a solid defenseman to um, help out their blue line and they added Taylor Hall. So uh, they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't add a ton like some of these other teams like these two other teams that I'm going to talk about as being winners of the trade deadline but because of the amount that they gave up uh, or the lack of amount that they didn't give up they could have given up a lot more for Taylor Hall but they didn't and just the value of the pieces that they got and the value that they lost is uh, a little lopsided so that's why I have the Bruins as one of the winners for the trade deadline. The second winner I have for the trade deadline has to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. They added Riley Nash, Nick Foligno, David Riddick, and Ben Hutton. Felino adds even more depth to a stacked offense. Like I said, he's probably not even going to be playing in the top six and they got his con and they're only paying him 1.375 million dollars instead of that huge contract that he had so i think toronto really got a good a good steal out of um nick felino he's a really good leader too so he can help that young core tavares and felino being leaders of that group i think that's a really good move um nash adds a good depth defensive forward and they didn't give up that much for him, and it's just it's just a really good trade for them. He's going to play fourth line center most likely, and just be another leader in that locker room. Riddick helps out a lot with the goalie situation, and it'll be a good tandem of Campbell and Riddick um, because they don't have Anderson because of his health issues. And I honestly really like this a lot. I could see even if they didn't have. Uh, Anderson at all I could see this tandem still playing really well together and being a good tandem for them for a while Um, Ben Hutton buttons up the defense like I said they were going into this trade deadline and everyone said they didn't need much other than um, probably another depth defenseman and they added that in Ben Hutton so I really liked that move from the Toronto Maple Leafs and those moves are the reasons why I have them as one of the winners for the trade deadline I mean they got a lot they gave up a lot but um, I would be surprised if they didn't go far in the playoffs 
And the third and final winner of this trade deadline that I have has to be the Florida Panthers. They added Brandon Montour, Nikita Gusev, and Sam Bennett. They went into the season with just about no winger depth and now has a ton. They added Gusev for a million bucks. Hopefully he can start to produce again. They added Sam Bennett, who's I think 24, 25 years old, and hopefully putting him on the second line wing uh, adds more depth to that wing again, and hopefully he can start producing and become the player that he was supposed to be. And then again, Montour helps on the defense with the loss of Aaron Ekblad and helps with um, just their depth on defense in general. So I'm really excited for the Florida Panthers. I'm pretty sure out of this trade deadline that they are going to be even better than they were going in. I'm really excited to watch them play this for the rest of the season. And right before we end this video, while I was... Um, writing this episode and uh, uh, making it, I some news around the NHL came out. So I just want to talk about that for a brief couple minutes or so. The Detroit Red Wings signed former fourth overall pick Lucas Raymond to a three-year entry-level contract. No idea if he's going to play in the NHL this year, if he's just going to play in the AHL. It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully he comes into the NHL and becomes a great player. I'm sure probably most likely next year he will be on that Red Wings roster. The next three games for the Colorado Avalanche versus the LA Kings will be postponed due to COVID-19 protocols. A third player from the Avalanche went on to the COVID-19 uh, protocol or not protocol, uh, the list or whatever it went into quarantine or whatever and they decided the NHL decided to postpone the next three games for the avalanche hopefully things get better and things don't get super out of hand like the Vancouver Canucks situation they haven't played in a long time and over half their team is on that on that list because of uh, COVID situations big news coming out of Buffalo Jack Eichel will miss the rest of the season with a herniated disc in his neck uh, Jack Eichel is another one of those players that hasn't been producing all for the Buffalo Sabres. I think he's come out publicly and said it that he really doesn't want to be in Buffalo anymore. And trade talks are, are starting to heat up again. I'd be surprised if he was still with the Buffalo Sabres next season. But I also wouldn't be surprised. He is their captain. They picked him second overall. He's their superstar on that team. He is the Buffalo Savers pretty much. He's really all they have left. He's a really good player, but this season he hasn't been producing at all, just like Jeff Skinner and Taylor Hall. And uh, he's out for the rest of the season. So I don't think the Buffalo Savers obviously weren't going to make the playoffs. So maybe without Taylor Hall, they can tank even more and get that, that first overall pick. The last piece of information before we end this episode, I know it's a long one at the time of recording. It's one hour, one minute, and 53 seconds, but I promise it's it's going to be over soon. Adam Lowry gets a five-year, $3.25 million a year extension with the Winnipeg Jets. Adam Lowry's a solid 20 to 25-point guy and is a good bottom nine player. Now, Adam Lowry, I think... Honestly, it is kind of an overpayment. He his, The most points he's gotten in the season is 31, and he's getting the same amount of money for longer than guys like Tanner Pearson. Um, <clears throat> who is the... Uh, let me see. I'm going to look real quick. Who is the other guy that... 
uh, got signed recently, Scott Lawton. Those three guys, Adam Lowry, I think, is the worst out of those three. Tanner Pearson, the most he's put up in a season is 45, which is 15 more than Adam Lowry. And Scott Lawton is just a better player. So I think it's a bit of an overpayment for the Winnipeg Jets for Adam Lowry, but it's not a terrible contract either. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. I know it was a really long one, and this is the first episode I've put out in a while uh, with school and with sports. Uh, there's a lot going on, so it is hard to get out these episodes, but I, I really am trying for you guys. I, I really hope you guys enjoy, and uh, just stay tuned. Make sure to go follow the Hockey Talk Podcast on Instagram. Like I said before, at the Hockey Talk Podcast, no capitals, no spaces to get uh, news and updates from the NHL, just quick little things as soon as they come out. Uh, I'll get them up there for you guys if uh, I can't get out a podcast episode right away. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode, and uh, hopefully I can get out another one pretty soon. And uh, peace.